So welcome once again to the Coffee and Heroes podcast. Time for another book club. Uh, delighted as always to be joined by Keith here and Roddy. And Roddy. So um, yeah, it's a shame. This one is actually a pick from Kieran. Um, unfortunately, couldn't be with us tonight, but um, we're gonna crack on with it anyway. This is Fables. Try and do our best for him. We we miss him. Well, we do, but you know. Keith well, and I are about to be very, very positive about a book he loves, and Roddy's about to try and tear it to pieces. So. That's why I was quite complimentary at the start. <laughs> oh, you know what you're doing. Um, yeah, so book four um, is Fables. So Fables, it's uh, a comic series uh, written by Bill Willingham. Uh, it was published under DC's um, imprint Vertigo. Uh, Willingham was the sole writer for its entirety, which was 150 issues, so really good long run. So this is the first book club we're going to be doing that is not just a self-contained thing. Uh, Mr. Miracle was 12 issues, Secret Wars was 12 issues, um, Pride of Baghdad was, you know, for the, just for the graphic novel format. An OGM. An OGM. So this is the first one that is something that extends much longer than what we'll be talking about. We have uh, the deluxe editions of Fables, which covers the first two arcs, uh, which in this sense was 10 issues. Um, so yeah, Fables was uh, Fables is a series that features characters from fairy tales and folklore. You know, as we were growing up, we all heard stories about Cinderella, stories about Snow White, stories about the big bad wolf, things like that. So in this, what it is, is all these characters actually now exist in the real world. Uh, something happened in their fairy, fairy tale worlds, which meant they had to go on the run and they relocated to uh, New York City because... You know, you're never going to find anybody in New York City like Corey. Where else would you go? <laughs> Where else would you go? Um, but yeah, they were their lands were conquered by this mysterious deadly enemy known as the Advers- Adversary. And it's someone who I would imagine we will uh, get a lot more from. So, yeah, I mean, first thoughts? Um, I I kind of, I really enjoy the idea of, of fairy tales and folk tales. Um and especially the the non disnified uh grim tales yeah. type things, you know, where all of these are, are drawn from I guess, you know, before before Disney got their hands on them and made them bright and colourful and um and all of that. So this, you know, and and, and, and T V shows like Once Upon a Time and more so Grim, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um and then that feeds into my love of things like Dresden. You know the Dresden files and urban, that so urban magic. Yeah, yeah. So this this satisfies this definitely satisfies that particular uh, itch. Yeah, scratches that particular itch um, for me. Um, yeah. Um, well, I wasn't a big fan of it. Um, really wasn't. Really didn't like the first the first volume, which was Legends in Exile. Yeah, should but then yeah should clarify. First uh, arc was Legends in Exile. The second Animal yeah. Farm. But we are, I suppose, we are deluxe version volume one or book one or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I love I love Brothers Grimm too. I love all stuff like that. Um, just I think I was pre predisposed maybe not to like it because it's quite urban fantasy. That's not something I'm really into. Sorry, oh. Keith. you probably heard the noise of the wind changing there as Keith's head spun <laughs> from one side of the room to the other to look at him. Yeah, I, ca- I can't remember what it was. It was not another podcast where it was another <clears throat> kind of magic thing. And I Excellent. Like, I don't. Yeah, yeah. I was just like I don't. I don't like this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Fair but, um, yeah, I guess we'll get into it. 
Um, I love the idea of it though. It's a really great concept. Bill Willingham uh, is the is the, the creator, mm-hmm. and uh, interesting. Bill got a start as a staff artist in the late seventies and eighties for TSR Incorporated. Now I don't know if you're familiar with that particular company, not a comic company, but a role playing game company. The company that uh, marketed Dungeons and Dragons and Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. Um, so he was a staff artist for that and. He did, uh, from what I'm reading, he did a lot of covers for a lot of books that I owned in my younger days, um, which is interesting. Uh, So he was an artist and first gained attention for his comic book series Elementals, which he both wrote and illustrated. Uh, He also produced a pornographic series, Ironwood, for Eros Comics. Um, He began writing for DC Comics in the 2000s. and uh, he worked on the Robin series from 2004 to 2006, Shadow Pact, uh, and a few other bits and pieces like that. He describes himself as rabidly <coughs> pro-Israel. Interesting. Uh, yeah, when you showed me this, I was like, this is very interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I had heard this before about right? Fables. And when I was reading it, I was like, yeah, yeah, I see, I, I see it, but I certainly maybe, I don't think it is, it's not quite uh, George Orwell's Animal Farm and uh, Soviet Russia. Yeah, he says it was intended from the beginning as a metaphor for the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, although he argues that Fables is not a political tract, it never will be, but at the same time, it's not going to shy away from the fact that there are characters who have real moral and ethical centres and we're not going to apologise for it. Uh, I, I mean, I'm all for books, and, you know, comic books that have a that have a message, that have a political message. I think we yeah. probably have a responsibility there. Yeah. But and our uh, last book club touched on that. Definitely. Yeah. Um, but whenever a writer describes himself as rabidly pro-Israel, alarm bells. Alarm bells are going off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Anyway. But we're yeah. I guess I guess we should touch on it. But I mean, yeah. It's it's. Yeah, I mean, I just I just jumped into this. Just a, it was Karen's recommendation. B, I'll be honest, I wasn't looking forward to reading this when Karen suggested it. I, I'm happy enough and honest enough to hold my hands up. I always had this impression of Fables was this sort of la di da retelling of classic fairy tales. That's just what I had in my mind. Mm-hmm. I'd never went near it. It's one of those series that I probably should have read before, given that you know I talk a lot about the Golden Vertigo era. Mm-hmm. You know which we've touched on quite a few times so I went into this with slight trepidation and that's maybe why it surprised me so much I, I have to say I loved it um, I am slightly cursing Kieran because I have enough to read and <laughs> this is 150 issues long um, so you're talking literally 15 of these deluxe books to get through it all and but not to mention the countless Merchandise, spin-off, video game. Well, you've got Fables Wolf Among Us, well. and then there's also a spin-off comic series called Ferrest as well, um, which is from the pages of Fables. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it it starts as any good fairy tale should start with the immortal words, "Once upon a time." Once upon a time. Um, so yeah, it kicks off with uh, you have Jack from Jack and the Beanstalk, basically tearing through Manhattan, making his way to the security office of B Wolf to report that uh, something has happened to uh, Rose Red, who is Snow White's sister. Snow White's sister, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, I mean, the whole central crux for the first arc becomes who killed Rose Red. 
So in this one, Beowulf, that is Big Beowulf, which I think is just a great name. <laughs> an absolutely great name, Big Beowulf. And in this, he is an investigator. Um, for me, he just reminds me of a John Constantine type character. Smokes a lot, smart ass, thinks he's the cleverest person in the room. But uh, you're introduced to that, but then it jumps across to uh, the offices of Snow White. And this was a brilliant opening scene. I, I know you're not a, a huge fan of this opening part, Roddy, but I thought this was wonderful. The whole idea that, that Beauty and the Beast have been married for thousands of years. And he's starting to grow uglier again because she's loving him less and less. <laughs> you know, it's um, like Actually, in this deluxe edition book, there's a little quote just before the Once Upon a Time, which is, you try being married for almost a thousand years without a few ups and downs along the way. I actually think these were the strongest parts for me in the first one anyway. It's the, the wee side characters like like those two, like Prince Charming. They are like the funny bits. I really didn't like uh -huh. Bigsby Big Big Bigsby Wolf. Big B Wolf. Big B Wolf. Um he had none of the for me, like not to go off on a tangent, but he didn't have the he didn't have any of the charm of like a Constantine for me anyway. He just came across like a an asshole. And it wasn't. I wasn't like intrigued by him. I was just like, I don't know. I, I can feel myself already, even at this point, willing him and Snow White to get together. But because he, there's the part later a, on he's where a dick to her. But, but he's a dick to her. But then, in, in the end of the first arc, it all comes around. For example, he's like, you know, we can only solve this murder if you come with me as my date. You know, to the big and ball. Like, uh, but it turns out that he didn't need her at all. He just really wanted to ask her out, but he was too nervous. And there was also a part that I picked up upon um, that was very off its time. I actually mm -hmm. took a photo, and then because he says they're investigating the like the murder, mm -hmm. and he's like basically trying to tell uh, Snow White to stay outside, and he's just like, or he tells Jack to like hold her back almost, and he's like, Jack, if she ever opens her mouth again, pick her up and carry her back home. If she screams or resists, you have my permission to knock her senseless. Yeah, but, but let, tongue in cheek, but it kind of struck me the wrong way. Let's bear in mind the character that it's from. The character of the big bad wolf mm -hmm. is a villain. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And he was a villain who. But in this ate, world, ate, is he? He's trying to atone. He's trying to atone, but that doesn't mean that he's it. not necessarily. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and obviously nothing, nothing excuses you know that behavior in life. Yeah. But yeah. you know, he's trying to atone for. But he's you know, can he change his spots? You know, can mm -hmm. he? You know, can he change his nature? And, and he's also trying to protect her in a way because this is a a crime scene with copious amounts of blood everywhere. And like the line before he says that is Snow White shouting, going, "She's my sister." Mm -hmm. So you know, he's in a way he's trying to protect her. I know you're saying like the the yeah. language used understandable enough but I think this character has to go on a journey I don't think he can just be oh he's in the real world he's forgiven for everything he did I think yeah, as yeah. Keith says he has to atone for it over time and I was about to say that, that, that this is the start of his journey but it's actually not because his journey started in the fairy tale mm -hmm. yep. you know um, yeah, true. and you know and that's what I'm really enjoying is these characters all have a backstory um, which I find interesting as well because when a character is introduced I almost stop reading to try and figure out who and I'm like, what fairy tale are they from? Yeah, I, yeah. I had to I, I had to do a wee bit of research to try and figure out who Flycatcher was, and of course he's the Frog Prince. <laughs> yeah, you know, and uh, Bigby keeps catching him, uh, trying to eat flies, and therefore feels he needs community service for that. That seems a wee bit harsh, but uh, yeah. Um, so there's, I mean, some of the, the first characters we meet, Beauty and Beast, and it's worth it's worth 
saying again that these aren't the Disneyfied versions of the characters. These are the no. grim fairy tales, yeah. you know, sort of type versions of the characters. So we meet uh, very early on uh, Jack, and my feeling here is that the assumption is this is Jack and the Beanstalk, and it yeah. is, but he spends a lot of time running around the place. I think this is also Jack Be Nimble, and also Jack from Jack and Jill, and also Jack from. Jack Frost. I think that they're they're taking a lot of yeah, all exactly. <laughs> in the same way as uh, we meet Prince Charming very early on, and Prince Charming, he's no he's, longer a prince. He's probably one of the best characters. I thought he was you very know, funny. Obviously, whenever the adversary adversary came to Fairyland or whatever, he's lost his fortune. You know, he's Snow White's former beau. But I also think he's the Prince Charming from all the other stories. Yeah, I think he's also it's a generic title. Yeah, almost yeah he's probably one. the Prince Charming from. Uh, Cinderella and from Goldilocks and from and he's probably been around them all <laughs> I think well maybe you know what I mean so they've, they've amalgamated a lot of these characters who were uh, I guess archetypes you yeah, know in the, yeah. in the fairy tales so uh, so Jack is all the Jacks Prince Charming is all the Prince Charmings uh, I'm pretty sure um, and we, very, we see him he clearly has a way with words <laughs> you know I mean he, he, he sits down in a restaurant has uh, a beautiful meal has a beautiful meal Clearly tells the waitress that uh, he wants he would like to take her home, not to his home because he doesn't have one, but to her home, <laughs> and that that's the way he was going to go anyway because he doesn't have any money to pay for his meal, yeah. and she was maybe going to have to cover it anyway. So now she's happy to cover it from her tips because they've been flirting, and away they go. And it's it's. Well, I mean, she even says, <laughs> it's like, "Don't you think it's time I learned your name?" And Prince Charming, of course, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but just flicking through it as well here just as a slight response to what you were saying about that part about Bigby mm-hmm. not two panels later they re-establish Snow White as a strong character and she just goes lay a hand on me asshole and you'll regret it <laughs> you know so although they have had this like oh she's the damsel in distress mm-hmm. and there's also the whole damsel in distress mm-hmm. idea of fairy tales mm-hmm. and, and let's not forget like let's not forget these people have known each other for hundreds of years yeah you yeah. know so Although that's a part that where you're thinking like it's a very of its time male idea of on knocker senseless within two panels it's like Snow White lay hand to me asshole that's it yeah. you know so I mean the, the I mean the, the central conceit is that they they've escaped Fairyland uh, after an adversary known as the adversary mm-hmm. attacked many were killed some of them escaped um, into our world they now live underground creating this underground community in Called New York City time. Yeah. yeah which is which is a not a not a town as such but a community you know, a almost com- a community you know and it's the, the the central hub the city hall which appears to be a normal if opulent building you know but it's very much a TARDIS you know mm-hmm. it's very much it's bigger on the inside than it is on the outside yeah. mm-hmm. uh, we see at one point Bluebeard has managed to escape Fairyland with his entire castle and has moved into an apartment <laughs> uh, thanks to magic um, so there's some, some great stuff here where We've got uh, old King Cole, the proverbial merry old soul. Yeah, uh, he's the mayor. He's the standing mayor of Fableland, but Snow White, the director of operations, is clearly the de facto leader. Yeah, the one pulling um, the strings. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, um, there's two stories in this book in the deluxe edition. Uh, one, as Alan says, covers the the mystery of the uh, disappearance and possible murder of uh, Snow White's somewhat lesser known sister, Rose Red. And the other covers uh, introduces us to the farm, which is an upstate facility where the fables, which that's what we call these fairy tale characters, where the fables who don't who aren't lucky enough or unfortunate enough to look human are uh, kept exiled to not exiled to but 
because at the 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 they're almost like refugees, aren't they? They can't leave it. So. They can't. Yeah, they're prisoners and in effect they're prisoners. But the reason for that is because, as with all these things, real humans, regular humans, can't the, know about them. The Mundies. The Mundies. Yeah. The Mundians. Yeah, they can't know about the fables because that would. There's there's the the unspoken you know bad thing would happen if human humanity found out about. So in in the Dresden Files, humans are the nuclear the nuclear weapon. If they find out about the world below. That's not a good thing, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. And and once upon a time, and you know, and Grim, it's all the same, you know. And Grim, he's a police officer policing them, and if humans find out, that's not a good thing, you know. Um, so yeah, we never find out exactly why that's not a good <laughs> good thing, but anyway, yeah, that sort of, you know. But yeah, what about the art? I think the art's wonderful. I I think the art it's very sort of classic era Vertigo. So it is, I think it's quite detailed, I think it's quite whimsical, I think there's a good variety throughout it, there's some gorgeous splash pages, I mean it, it's a weird thing to say in a, way, in a way that a splash page of a murder scene is beautiful, but I think the level of detail that goes into something like that is awesome. Um, I think the, um, the the way it's done, the way, that, the, way the art's done, um, and even the the way the the scrolls, you know, unfold chapter one, old tales revisited, in which we meet many of our principal players and get just the first hint or two of some of the myriad troubles to come. Oh, it's all very yeah. toy, isn't it? It's all very, yeah. but it, it's it reminds me of uh, the Prince Valiant comics um, and those sort of that era, you know, mm-hmm. those forties, fifties, yeah, you know, sort of, and that the art is the art's very thick line. It's quite quite pulpy it reminds me of the sort of the art you get in some of the Rocketeer stuff um, so it's uh, uh, there's, a, there's a variety of artists on it but I'm led to believe that Mark Buckingham who's a British artist who actually was an artist in Hellblazer and a variety of other things mm-hmm. um, is the main artist on, on, on certainly the most of the yeah, series but he seems to just do a wee bit of research he did more than 110 issues yeah. out of the 150 and then over the which is something would find out obviously reading more uh, arcs um, most loaded, most notably Lan Medina um, doing artwork I can see that uh, they've done the artwork for this, the second issue certainly uh, yeah. The Unusual Suspects um, and that second arc I have to throw out a special shout out just at the beginning of it where uh, one of the pigs from the Three Little Pigs fairy tale is uh, living in He's crashing he's, with Bigby uh, Wolf. Yeah, he's called Colin. Isn't he? <clears throat> yeah, which of course then lends itself it lends itself to the idea that uh, that Bigby Wolf then is is the wolf from Red Riding Hood. Yeah, mm-hmm. and also the the wolf from the Three Little the Pigs who yeah. blew yeah. their houses down. Well, that said, he does say all I did was scatter a few bales of straw. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I mean. I know we, we talked about this a little bit off before we started recording Roddy was saying he wasn't 100% sure what this book was but the humour continues here for me for example where you know Big B offers the pig breakfast and he's like what are you having? Ham and eggs I take it all back you're still a monster through and through he's trying to feed the pig you know oh, man. Um, um, I mean I, I just take it as, as good natured humour the whole way through and then even just you know the note Prince Charming leaves as he skips out on the that waitress very good, yeah. um, is wonderful where he's basically saying make sure to do my laundry and you know do this as well and oh but see you tonight <laughs> and you get the impression from the conversation that they have in 
the restaurant where he first met her, where he clearly exerts some power of charm over her, you know, that she probably will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Oh, 100%. You know, but then it's the, the assumption that he, he he's just assuming that. Speaking of the art, there was one thing. I, um, I didn't really like it. I thought it was very off its era, shall we say. Mm-hmm. Um, I did. Like, it, was, it, was, it wasn't bad, but it was just... I think because if you see the covers by James Jean, these really gorgeous sort of like painted, almost like watercolor things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then to look inside, it just felt very boring. And then I really didn't like the color scheme. For me, there was a lot of like sickly colors, and I just didn't really didn't really click with me. But what I really liked was um, there's a couple of lovely splash pages. Like the first one where uh, Bigby turns into the wolf. That was oh, really yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. That was like I was like, okay, this this comic for me is gonna kick into gear with that. And then there's another great one um, in the second arc where it's um, spoilers, I guess, but like Colin's head is on a spike. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really good. Um, but no, I just I just couldn't click with it. Um, the art the art and the like whimsical humor i just just don't think matched for me but i like the they did flashbacks and they would do them in this style of they would have all these ornate sort of patterns around them like they're almost through a mirror or like through all this of the, thing. Well, yeah all of the flashbacks to their fairyland world are yeah. contained in the, as you say in what looks like a magic mirror you know That's yeah i thought that was a really idea. neat idea very cool i hadn't noticed that actually until you mentioned yeah. it yeah, well, as we say, the first, the whole uh, first arc is all this murder mystery. I mean, this is this is one of the reasons I enjoyed it so much is because I love sort of classic whodunits, hard-boiled detective stuff. And one of the things really um, interesting about presenting that sort of story in the comic book medium is that you know the clues are all there throughout it, but because you're so conditioned to just keep reading a story mm. instead of maybe stopping and observing panels, mm-hmm. you know. I think it's just brilliantly done. I, I love it when they sort of they show you everything, then they go, but here's what you missed, and it even has that classic parlor scene at the end, mm-hmm. and and they don't even recreate it. They literally lift the panels from the start of it and yeah, well, transplant it. Well, I mean, it's it's a it's a classic Columbo episode, isn't it? Oh, 100 percent. You know, <laughs> that's it. It's the whole parlor. Well, it's the, yeah, know. it's that. Yeah, but one more thing, and here we you go. Know, <laughs> and uh, and then they'll flashback. They'll cut to those scenes where that yeah. thing was clearly shown to you, and. You're not wrong. That's exactly what it is, and you know the within the story. You know, Big B has held uh, Jack, you know, uh, and as um, number one suspect, number one suspect, and he's he's going through his various suspects, and we learn a little about the background. We learn a little about Fairyland and the adversary and who these people are, and yeah. See, I thought that, that that stuff was like more interesting to me than. This stupid well, kind of mystery. I'm kind of interesting. There's, there's. Well, I was like, I want to know more about that. I don't want to. I don't care about this yeah. mystery. Thing. And I'm kind of interested in. I'm. I agree. I'm kind of interested in where we will find out about that. But I thought the mystery was a great backdrop against which to introduce the main players mm-hmm. and introduce the the central conceit of the of the what's going to be what 150 issue series. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. So I think there's an element of of finding that out and. Even in the second story arc in this deluxe edition, the Animal Farm, yep. we f- we find out that there is a drive, you know, for them to, you know, there's there, there's a drive among some of them to go back to Fairyland and, and take, the try and fight yeah. the adversary, despite the, you know, and 
there's a plan to do that and there's definitely a hunger for that mm-hmm. you know and, and that there's different factions yeah. like they don't all agree we should have relocated to this place yeah and there's 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 factions that there's a faction that that i can't remember what they call them but they want to return to to fairyland and and uh and try and take it back you know but yeah. that's a political movement you know so so i thought that the mystery was a great backdrop to introduce all those things you know and all those um various characteristics that are clearly going to be important going forward um mm-hmm. i'm not saying i was terribly interested in the mystery itself you know <laughs> but uh, it was a vehicle for for everything else for me you know um so i mean throughout that mystery we we see big b and uh, snow white doing their their thing and we're introduced to um to Bluebeard. Uh isn't that right? Uh, yeah. And is that Cinderella that Bluebeard is uh jousting with because he says something about your glass slipper? That's right, yeah. So um, uh Bluebeard becomes significant because he, as it turns out, has a contract. He's has he's contracted to marry Rose Red and they were gonna keep it secret for a year. And then just just to sorry to interrupt you just quickly, just because we were talking about Cinderella and Bluebeard at jousting. There's just subtle lines of dialogue that you're looking forward to being paid off later. And Bluebeard says to her, Is that why your handsome prince divorced you? Mm. So you're looking forward to finding out that story and, you know. Uh, yeah, is that handsome prince? Prince Charming? Yeah. You know, uh, you know, has he basically been around the mall at this point? I'd say so. <laughs> yeah. It's also Snow White's ex, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Snow White's ex. Yeah. And, so, yeah, and yeah, they meet up a couple of times. Up. Yeah, and Rose Reds. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and I think Cinderella and I think. Probably Goldilocks, who appears later on. She's, he's he's the prince charming in every story. I'm pretty sure, you know. Um, so yeah, Bluebeard becomes embroiled. We find out that he's engaged to be married to Rose Red. He becomes a suspect, um, as that you know. And uh, yeah, we're we're going through the various parts of the the mystery as uh, he tries. If he does a forensic thing where he realizes that there's so much blood and so much of Rose Red's, Red Rose's, Rose Red's blood that she must be dead. You know, and all of this. Yeah, he says of, something at one point about a human body can lose five pints before it gives up, but there were over seven pints, I think, in the uh, the crime scene. Um, but then by this time, Bluebeard has actually broken into um, where they're holding Jack because he wants to kill Jack, convinced that he's killed. Yep. Uh, Rose Red, and then that's where that transformation takes place. You're talking about. We where see, we see Big B as the wolf. Rose, I'll rip your fucking throat out. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so yeah it's, it's, it's all fairly yeah. I loved all this stuff and then, stuff, and then yeah. you go on to the big ball because what is any fairy tale without a big ball and they have this thing called Remembrance Day um, you know they they uh, refer to it as Fable Town's grandest event of the year like Christmas and the 4th of July multiplied many times over and this is where Big B has come with uh, with Snow White you see Beauty and the Beast arrive but the Beast is so handsome again and it's like, oh, it's my wife's fault. She loves everything about this day, including me, it seems. <laughs> Enough to make me handsome again. And she's like, don't start. Yeah. And I mean, it's also worth noting that in the background of a lot of these scenes, you're seeing the pig, Colin. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, one of the three pigs. He's a city pig. He doesn't want to leave. He's sleeping under bushes. And he's... He likes he's a cigarette as well. <laughs> yeah, he's variously in the background of a lot of of a lot of scenes um, and, and trucks and, and various things. So... So he's making around. That'll become significant, of course, in the second in story. The second arc. Um, but uh, yeah, you get a little bit of a, a background of the whole adversary stuff again, told in this sort of scroll esque artwork style. 
um, showing the invasion of all of those um, fairy tales. But then you just get introduced to more and more characters through it. I mean, I this was one of the moments that I thought, look, I'm going to be in this for the long haul. And it's literally a conversation between, I th I'm pretty sure this is Belle from Beauty and the Beast. I think she's wearing the same dress. They never actually referred to her by name. But she sits down and she's talking to uh, Pinocchio. It's like, hi Pinocchio, haven't yeah, seen shit. you in a while. Enjoying the party? And then he looks like a skulky child. He's like, no, I am most certainly not having a good time. I never have a good time at this ridiculous celebration. So she says, why do you come each year? Because sooner or later, that blue fairy who turned me into a real boy is going to show her face at one of these things and I'm going to kick her pretty azure ass. Why, I thought you wanted to become a real boy. Of course I did. But who knew I'd have to stay a boy forever? That ditzy bitch interpreted my wish way too literally. I'm over three centuries old and I still haven't gone through puberty. I want to grow up, I want my balls to drop and I want to get laid. And I just thought to myself, I, I'm, I'm enjoying some of this. <laughs> I'm, enjoying, I'm enjoying the reinterpretation of these characters. And, you know, on the next page, you know, as you say, uh, the pig just continues to flip through the story. And at one point makes his way into the kitchen. And the chef says, are you on the menu? Oh, gosh, I hope not. And I think that's Goldilocks talking to Pinocchio. Has Goldilocks said yeah. it? Yeah, I think so. Ah, okay. Um, yeah, there's some great, yeah, some great stuff. I mean, I don't think we need to, we don't need to reveal necessarily uh, who the... Uh, yeah, who the killer is? You know who who Leave killed? Leave it open for who killed Rose Red? Yeah, um, but yeah, we do get that that big reveal scene, that that parlor scene that uh, Big B has as a detective has been has been looking forward to. Um, yeah, so so there we are. Anyway, um, yeah. So you have the first um, arc complete there with that works out really nicely the the arc does show and how it culminates again we'll not spoil it but it does culminate showing what a mover and shaker snow white is you know she's the one that's able to negotiate everybody who's been involved in this their ultimate fate so to speak and i think there's a one point where um uh big b says her like none of them are going to be happy and she's like i don't care yeah. <laughs> you know so I, I like that they've established her as a strong character but um I'll pass my book over to Roddy at this point because we're on the Animal Farm, which is the oh. second arc, which you were saying maybe I thought it brought was, you back to the story a bit. Yeah, like I would just say I don't think I'm gonna start picking up collecting 150 issues. I but do I like thought, how the second. I do like how the second story starts. I thought the first one was just tonally. I just couldn't get into it. A bit crazy. Thought there was so much dialogue. For me, anyway. Maybe just point um, out at this point that uh, Keith and I find this very funny. Do you think? That a writer yeah. is complaining about too much writing. But I think, I look at, um, <laughs> if you kind of go through it, I look at the pages and go, ooh, that's like, that's a lot to read. I, like I, I, I never think like that. I think it varies from story to story. I think something like this, because you are trying to establish potentially hundreds of cast members... It's a lot. There needs to be a lot, but that. and I think as Keith said, the murder mystery was a good way to, to, to do it you know almost. to frame it. But I didn't I didn't notice I didn't I, notice I all really, the dialogue. Yeah, yeah. No. I just like um, I just wanted a little bit of like breathing room. I felt there was a lot of um, probably what you said. It's a quite lot dense. Of, a lot of the dense. story was told in the bubbles, and not as much was told through the art in the art. Mm -hmm. But then you know, there's a but lot there of there is art. a lot of talking and back and forth, and yeah, I get that. It, it's it's I guess it's a wee bit different from like a superhero comic, for example, because yeah, yeah, there's a there's a real visual element to a superhero comic, where whereas 
you know, there's double pitch spread there. I mean, where this had some great oh, visuals. Does, I mean, it does. It it's just it's was lovely looking. Between but you see what I mean? There's a page there where it's uh, Big it's B Wolf them, and yeah. Snow White, and they're sitting in her drawing room, and he's a guy wearing a suit, and she's, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's not really a lot. To it's it. probably why, like, a lot of these comics got picked up for TV shows. <laughs> just, <laughs> you don't have to do yeah. a lot, yeah. Big B turns into a wolf, that's your really special effect there. <laughs> But yeah, um, so Animal Farm, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. What could that be possibly referring? I love that. Referencing. Yes, it's once upon time, time again. Really, I thought that this, all this stuff is like the tongue in cheekness of it. But I did not like it. I mean, I, I I do like it because because fairy tales are very tongue in cheek themselves. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. They're very. They're told. They're always told with like a this was with, with a wink and a, with a, a wink and a nudge. Yeah, yeah this, absolutely. This is definitely. You know, I, uh, I think it's just my nature. Is like I don't you know, hear something like that, that may have happened or may not have happened or something. May you know, it's yeah. you know what I mean. The start of each arc like that. That's the equivalent to something like in Star Wars, which is once upon a time in a galaxy far, far away. Mm -hmm. You know, and you still do it with every movie. So um, I like that it's quite self-aware. It's like, yep, it's that time. It's very self-aware. Do you know what it's like, Mister Miracle? Where it's like. Um, yeah, it's almost like hello again, dear reader. Um, uh, yes, yeah, that's exactly are. what that's it is. Yeah, 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 I, yeah, I don't like that. <laughs> well, <I'm, yeah. laughs> sensing a pattern yeah. here, he knows what he likes. <laughs> um, but yes, so there's what I did like. There is just a little hint of the farm in the first volume. Mm -hmm. They're like, oh, upstate. Um, so there's this farm upstate where all the all the fables who can't um, can't fit in, in the real world yeah, so, yeah. and there I, I do think they said there's a bit of disgruntlement yeah, uh, yeah. but the extent then, of that disgruntlement we and that, that, that's why it's significant see. that Colin is all the way Colin the Peg is all the way through the first yes you yeah. know so yeah go through it it's basically a road trip between oh well Snow Keith, White and yeah, it's, Snow yeah. White goes there with a Integral figure from the first arc. Yeah, so <laughs> which and that's what I really like. There's a lot of drama between them, so I, I quite like that. You got a lot of should we spoil it? Stuff. Should we spoil it? This second arc is going to well, be hard to talk about. Otherwise, it's up to Keith. I work away. Yeah, I mean, obviously with these book clubs, it's it's impossible to talk through them without spoiling. So we do always say it's best to only listen to these if you've read the book which is strange because um, we want to get people reading to reading the book yeah. yeah so it's uh <laughs> so double-edged sword but double-edged sword but it's it's impossible to talk about the second book i think without you know talking about the uh the conclusion of the first so it turns out that rose red faked her own death um and she's very much alive and so the second story is Snow White going with her sister upstate on official business with her estranged sister because a strange sister they, and they don't get on with yeah. Prince Charming yeah well yeah, yeah. well Prince Charming's been yeah. around um, <laughs> but yeah this is the way Snow White looks at it is for them to reconnect so they, yeah. they, they go up to this they go up to the farm anyway and on the which way up which is um this is where I sort of thought, okay, the humor is sort of landing a bit more. Yeah, for me. yeah, yeah. I agree. It's really found its footing because there's like the old boot, this, the, the old woman. The, animal, the, the animal farm is like castle. Yeah. It's a hodgepodge. Yeah. Of, yeah of, of, there's a farm. There's a regular barn there, and there's a regular tractor, and then there's this farmhouse that is made up of various parts of various mythological castles and. Uh, yeah, she says sort of like old MacDonald meets Walt Disney meets Munchkinland, <laughs> you know. Exactly. And there's part of a castle over here and a thatch thatch cottage here, and there's the 
the shoe that the old woman lives in over here and there's a wishing well here and there's a yeah, like a mushroom house here. It's yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah, it's really nice, and it's where for me there's a lot more visual stuff. Like you get to meet. Do all you the just animals. like talking animals? Yes. Yeah. I think that's. There we go. That's I think that's thing. what we're yeah. finding out. Mm-hmm. After going uh, through Pride of Baghdad <laughs> and now onto this, well, I, I understand what you mean. Though it's easier to make visuals more interesting if animals are talking because it's something that you wouldn't see everyday life. Whereas, mm-hmm. as you say. A scene where it's just two people talking in an office. Mm, and I mean, for everyone in the mill, it's not as imaginative, shall we say? I mean, there's already been a wee bit of a wee bit of uh, something not quite right because on the way in, uh, Snow White and Rose Red discovered shell casings mm-hmm. uh, and that, and then they they can't find anybody in the town, and then whenever they enter the barn, they find everybody, all of the characters from that should be on the farm, all the animal esque, the anthropomorphic animals chatting doing something they're up to something they're clearly up to something uh, and we've got Puss in Boots there and we've got Br'er Rabbit and uh, we've got uh, Mother Goose and the Dormouse and the Clock and Flying Monkeys and Cock Robin and two of the three pigs is that the lion it, that's not Aslan is it From I was yeah. thinking that's who it was I thought that too yeah. but I don't know if it is Okay, good enough. There's a snake in a tie. Why is the snake wearing a tie? Why is, See, visual gags. Why is, why is the snail, why is the snail carrying uh, an umbrella? Um, what's, what's the playing card? That would be one of the playing cards from uh, Alice in Wonderland, I imagine. Ah. Uh, and the walrus. There's a walrus. Is there a walrus? No, there's a lot of Alice in Wonderland sort of stuff going on there as well. But this is this is very much animal farm in a nutshell as well. You've got the pig on top of the apple box, leading the meeting. Very Napoleon-esque mm-hmm. from yeah. uh, from Animal Farm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, sorry. When we cut back and forth, we go back to um, the embassy where our our dear friend Beast is back. <laughs> I get the feeling they're going to be the comical couple yeah. the whole way yeah, through this. So you're gonna you can figure out exactly. How things are going for them by how beastly he looks yeah, and so uh, poor little, little boy blue little boy blue that's all your horns he's, he's, <laughs> he's trying to hold things together but there's a lot of uh, a lot of fables there um, just trying to get help basically I think because they can't cope in the the real world really mm-hmm. um, but the main issue of the story is we're we're back to Animal Farm and Snow White and Rose Red are meeting and Colin's now returned so we have the three little pigs but they brought Colin back with them yeah yeah yeah. and so basically we get we find out that right they're not happy here on the farm they want they I think they say they want um, they're return activists return return activists yeah Yeah. so they seem to think they can get back to Fair, is it Fairyland yeah, or yeah, whatever uh-huh. and take on uh, the adversary, the adversary. Um, and then Snow White is obviously trying to provide the more diplomatic solution yeah uh, the, you know there's the, the it seems everyone on the farm is behind this idea but whereas uh, Wayland Smith who is the was the, the, the boss mm-hmm. of the farm yes and where he disappeared to Snow White yeah, yeah he's a human mm-hmm. You know, so uh, so yeah, so and there's that that bitterness about the fact that they don't look big enough to live down in the big city. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And they're 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 effectively exiled to this farm. Doesn't matter, you know, whether it's as whether it's as luxurious as possible. 
it's still a prison and they yeah. are allowed to leave. Yeah. And you know there was I mean? um just a wee small touch I noticed um didn't actually notice the first time, but when I was just looking through it there. Pigs four leg they're on the four legs on like page one forty two. Uh-huh. And then sort of a couple of pages later they are on two legs. Oh, four legs good, two legs yeah. bad. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. So I thought that was a nice wee visual touch there. That was really cool. Um, I, I think, think you might talk yourself yeah. into liking this book. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's it? And then when they're, when they're talking about the you know being in the prison, then they say, and for a fable, life sentences are very long. Centuries for the least of us, millennia so so far for some. So you can kind of sympathise with them actually being stuck in the one place mm-hmm. for that length of time, and not being allowed to leave. You know, and there's there's a there's obviously a bit of consternation here about who makes the laws. You know, is this where is this where you we were seeing the the. Palestinian and Israeli thing coming out. I think so. Uh, a wee bit, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's real. It's real good. It takes a real. Uh, it takes a dark turn, and we see that we see the we see Snow White and Rose Red rubbing up against one another, you know, and uh, and you get some backstory there yeah. between them. Find out about Prince Charming. They can't understand, you know, Snow White can't understand how close why they were as kids, children, yeah. and how they thought part is. And then it takes a dark turn whenever Colin's head is found on a on a stick. Yeah. Uh, he it's, that was very the, Lord of the Flies. Right that there. was the very hard part that I I couldn't sort of balance up. They had all these like really funny moments, but then there was like a lot of serious talk as well. They did like the rose red snow white thing really good, but then the humor didn't really click with yeah. me then when I got to these serious parts I was like I don't know what to yeah, do exactly <laughs> I mean they're looking out the window going it's per Colin it also appears to be a literary reference yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyway yeah and uh, it just it starts to go a wee bit downhill there we're introduced to Goldilocks and the three bears uh, who uh, are I like the bears I yeah, like that Goldilocks yeah. is with the youngest <laughs> bear as well yeah he's with he's with baby bear she's uh, with yeah. baby bear and uh, she, there's a good line there was a funny line where she said I didn't get into his bed just for warmth or something you know what it, it's, like the, she's clearly I mean this is where they're kind of <laughs> you know she seems to be a, like a socialist you know what I mean the Ubers you know you know everything's a message you know it was quite necessarily it symbolised that it's time for a revolution to come and uh, to come out of the shadows and begin being earnest and yeah we uh, yeah exactly exactly what you're saying so basically she is the she's helping the two pigs and she is she's sort of become a de facto leader I think all of, of this the, sort of the de facto happened, military leader of the yeah, revolution I think this happened a bit too quickly for me they like the revelation just took off yeah. miles an hour well, we, we, we discover it whenever they're burying the body yeah. of Colin and then they, they, they find they have to go and get the head so they can bury them together and then well this was just a line that again epitomised the humour for me which is um, where Goldilocks is saying do you think I share your son's bed only because it happens to be quote just oh, right and then the, the dad is like no it's because Papa's little uh, Boo, Bear Boo Bear is hung like that and then is interrupted and then we see Goldilocks then is you know I do it because it's vital and powerful political statement it symbolises the fact that we're all equal there's no superior species bear, human or hedgehog it can make no difference even in our most intimate lifestyle choices or we're all oppressors you know she's certainly driven with the rhetoric yeah. like you know so. or it could be that you've just developed a taste for forbidden fruits <laughs> speciest <laughs> 
you know he's the, he's clearly the sly fox yeah Reynard um, so yeah and then um, Rose Red discovers then uh, that they're stockpiling weapons the these revolutionaries are stockpiling weapons and weapons that are altered for non-humanoid fables to use specifically um, it's the old opposable thumbs argument yeah that's it you know <laughs> uh, back in the city uh, Big B and Little Boy Blue here just bit bit characters in this yeah very story. much so. yeah, I got the feeling that obviously none of us have gone beyond these two volumes I don't think but no. I wonder and it's probably maybe for the best but like are we just is Snow White going to be the main character is Big I B think so. or are they just going to like dance between all it's these different be, ones yeah it could be like a like like you know, Star Trek The Next Generation or any of the Star Trek shows where every arc or every story will will spotlight certain mm-hmm. characters and other characters while there will be in the background yeah, yeah. you know so I was yeah, happy I think to that's... see less of the wolf guy I really did yeah, yeah. <laughs> sorry <laughs> alright Ronnie let it go <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, so it's it's interesting. We 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 get a little bit into uh, into the background of that Rose Red is jealous of Snow White. Mm-hmm. You know that uh, Snow White was originally it was Snow White and Rose Red, and then eventually in the stories, Snow there was Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, and you know Rose Red disappeared in the stories. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think there's a so that's that's the crux of. That's the crux of the her hatred or jealousy of her sister. Yeah, is that yeah. you know? Uh, but yeah, so we've now you know, um, I guess we've now got the the revolutionaries looking for Reynard the fox, and he's been chased by uh, Sher Khan yeah, from the Jungle they Book. They stumble upon the Jungle Book. The Bag- Bagheera, who's Bagheera? He's the the panther from yeah Jungle Book as well, is he? Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, good enough. There he is. You know, <laughs> there's one particularly fantastic scene where we see the shoe and the old woman that lives in the shoe with her and doesn't know what to do. But in this case, she does know what to do. <laughs> Arm goes, yourselves. Gather around, children. The glorious day has arrived at last. The call has gone out. Arm yourselves. All right, cool. About time. Time to <laughs> rock and roll, baby. Bust some caps in those oppressors' asses. <laughs> okay, fess up. Who, who kept my Teflon coated Magnum rounds? <laughs> you left them in your Sunday school purse, remember? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Snow White Reynard the Fox contacts Snow White they both go on the run meanwhile Rose Red has joined the revolutionaries and uh, we go from there as uh, as Reynard and Snow White are on the run and uh, make some discoveries and uh, so forth and so on so uh, yeah it was I was much more entertained by this story yeah, than I was yeah. the last one but I don't it would it would have made no sense to go into this story without the last first, one first yeah without you know, so you've got it, the, yeah. yeah so I think that's yeah. what's critical I think that first that first arc is really an introduction to, as I say, the central concepts and the characters and the types of characters who you're likely to meet, mm-hmm. you know, and where they're from and where they're drawn from and, you know, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I agree with you, I did enjoy the second story more. What's your opinion on I, I really enjoyed the second story as well. I thought it, um, it introduced, obviously, much more characters. I love the stuff with the land of the sleeping giants. Um, I love... I, I, I do agree that I think Snow White is going to be the central character throughout this. I think she's going to be the through line through which everything um, un, unfurls. Um, Nobody really likes the poor girl, though. No. Kind of well, at her and Bigby does. Bigby, no. well, in you know, his own way. She, she, that is the, that's the isolation of power. 
you know the like, isolation of responsibility of being the one that answers all the questions yeah and, you know I thought there was a wee bit of a a bro comedy going on here in the car as uh, Prin- <laughs> Prince Charming, Charming and Bluebeard and Little Boy Blue and one of the flying monkeys uh, make their way towards uh, towards the, the farm to try and, and, and save everybody but uh, there's a there's a character in here and I'm trying to figure out who who he is he kind of looks like a goblin he dude is that Rumpelstiltskin or you know oh, it could be because he's in yeah he appears a couple of times um, he's always he takes the head down yes that's right so well something I thought was really clever um, what was the name of the guy who was going to run the farming Wayland Wayland, Wayland Smith <clears throat> I, like, I like the whole idea that this enchantment is over him where he can't free himself <laughs> yeah 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 but he um, he and he can't tell her how to free him so he makes a key to uh, to unlock her uh, ankle bracelets and then she looks oh, around and tries all yeah. this stuff <laughs> And then she finally goes like, "Oh, maybe this key will fit." And then he un- she unlocks it. He's like, "Bloody hell! About time!" I didn't think I could make it any more obvious than making a key for the exact same lock. Um, yeah, it looks like some music's in there. Someone's trying to play us off. I think this is the Oscars right here. Um, yeah, I mean, I again, I I have to say, I I thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed this, and I'm going to commit to reading the whole thing. Um, I like the tone of it. I like the characters of it. Um, I like. I mean, come on, look at all those talking animals. What more do you need? <laughs> you know? I uh, I can't figure out. I can't figure out who Wayland Smith is. Who? I mean, you, you obviously got to think some sort of weapons maker, or I'm not too sure in this case, if I'm honest. Um, He's not like a the the axe man or something. The you know the woodcutter or possibly. one of those characters. I don't, I've, I've got no idea who he, who he is. But I even like that there's consequences in this. You know, I like that Snow White gets shot. I like that she ends up in a coma for a while. I like that she's in a wheelchair and she has this scar as a reminder. And um, But I also like the whole idea of um, Rose Red very much gets a redemption in this as well. Mm. Um, and finds a purpose for herself. <clears throat> so, But it's interesting then that you know, Snow White heals from from what what should be, you know, her head's half blown off. Mm-hmm. You know, by by Goldilocks by, with a sniper rifle. Which yeah. is not a sentence I ever thought I'd hear myself saying. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, and Rose Red, you know, sort of she recovers fully. Like yeah. she doesn't she doesn't have a mark on her by the time she's finished. You know, and. Rose Red points this out. I was standing right next to you as half your head was blown all over my fucking shirt. Your skull and brains were all, and you got better. How is that even possible? And Snow White says, I don't know. And Rose Red says, unfortunately, I do. The Mondays, the Mundanes, adore you by their millions, by their hundreds of millions. They keep making their god-awful animated movies and writing their <laughs> endless children's stories about you. So you can't die. They'll never let you. But who remembers me? Not one in a million of them. It used to be Snow White and Rose Red, and now it's just Snow White, period. All alone, no sister needed or desired. Thank you so very much. If it had been me who'd been ta- who'd taken that bullet, I'd be dead as a doornail. You know, so that's really interesting that it's the belief of the Mondays that affects yeah. effectively saves Snow White's life. And and you know, and that's where we, whenever they're talking about the god awful animated movies and they're talking about the Disneyfied, you know, mm-hmm. all of these things. So you know, these characters come from before that, and I think that's a really nice reminder of that that these characters were around before Disney got their yeah, got their awesome. claws on them yeah. you know so but it is nice that she has that big rant and you know gets it all off her chest 
Um, and then she says, because you're still the popular one, I'm fed up living in your shadow. Snow White says, then do something about it. And then straight away, it's like, I already have. I've been working up at the farm, first to work off my public service debt. And then, you know, so she is trying to reform as a character as well. So she's actually going to run the farm um, as well. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, mm -hmm. I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed this. To say I, the reason we've ended up doing both volumes is, uh, or both uh, story arcs is probably my fault because the first time I read this, I read it one sitting. I didn't want it to stop. Yeah, yeah. Um, Roddy's eyes just widened when I said that. Um, well, I was saying um, <laughs> it took me... It took me quite a long time to read it, so I think I'm not saying like I like flick through comics really easy, but it, I don't know. It was something about this that was just a didn't flow for you a slog, like you know. Um, but yeah, I don't think I'll go for number three, volume three or four. Two didn't. I think I'm two didn't save it two, enough for you. I just that think you it was like see where it the goes. first one was like finding what it was going to be and then the second one was like they have it all down but i just think it was too much for too much for me i'm i'm really in, i i would have a i would go a little further with it for sure um i am like you i'm interested in finding out a wee bit more about the background about the adversary and fairyland you know who is the adversary going to turn out to be i'm sure it's Please you know, it be Walt Disney. You know, and <laughs> and uh, it could very well be. Uh, would not surprise me with a with a the turn that these books, this book has taken. You know, so um, so I would be interested in following it a wee bit further. And uh, yeah, I, you know, some it's a hell of an achievement though to um, to create something that's lasted 150 issues. Yeah, mm. very much so. And apparently, the 150th issue is almost as thick as a graphic novel. Right. So it is. Mm -hmm. I was reading. So, um, yeah. So I, I just, cool. want, I just want to say cheers to Karen for recommending it because yeah, I, um, I genuinely do don't think I would have jumped into. Do you know why? I really don't. Um, I think with Karen, it's something that he has always enjoyed, but in a weird way, not had anybody to talk to about it. Mm -hmm. um, as I say, I mean, given my love of this era of Vertigo comics, but I've never considered fables no. until yeah. now. And yeah. now that I have, I think to myself, why didn't I? Mm -hmm. Um, so I just want to say cheers to him for for fairness this suggestion because yeah, I think it's been great. Um, you know, uh, you've convinced two out of three of us, Karen. You know, I'm yeah. <laughs> two, two, two out of three and bad. Are you just about stuff. to quote Meatloaf? Yeah, you can't beat Meatloaf. <laughs> That's a whole separate podcast coming your way soon. Going through the hits of Meatloaf with Roddy McCann. <laughs> Um, so yes, yeah, so that brings it into our our fourth book club, and, and I believe number five, uh, much to Roddy's joy, is going to be Urban Fantasy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be the Magic Order by Mark Miller and Olivier Coupel, I believe next, which is Vicky's choice. Sweet, and cool. We should say if you have read Fables, please let us know. Let us know what you think. Let us know if you agree or disagree. Let exactly, us know how yeah. wrong. Let us know how wrong Roddy is. All right. <laughs> I think to be honest most people like it's a multi Eisner award winning uh, comic book yeah mm -hmm. Pro potentially for the later issues this is an anthology tale really how can you not like this uh, yeah. <laughs> not, not a true anthology <laughs> but no. yeah if you if you liked it please let us know on all the various social channels which are yeah. which are as, as ever on uh, Twitter you can find us at Coffee Heroes 1 find us on Facebook and Instagram uh, just search Coffee and Heroes. 
Uh, although we have again talked about the idea of making just a separate page and I think we will do that soon I just think it's a more direct way to chat to people but the most direct way is to come into the store and tell us to our face how wrong we are (laughs) (laughs) so um, yeah as I say cheers as ever guys love fables anything else you want to throw in it was okay (laughs) (laughs) there it is the definitive verdict 5 out of 10 (laughs) (laughs) Cheers guys, pleasure as always. Alright, see you later. Bye bye.